Uh, got a rousing musical opening to the show today. What's the word? Thunderbird. Love is the strongest. This path is the hardest. But if we were strong enough to do it, we wouldn't see it. Our prayers would not be needed. This movement's very needed. Indigenous wisdom unheeded and sacred things depleted. I'm Mexicano, Malacota, and I'm white too. I'm mixed with everyone, so part of me's just like you. Every group of human beings shares the same stars. And if the earth is not your mother, are you from Mars? You can accept it or be stupid and be a skeptic. Welcome to Episode 6, Season 5 of the I Want to Believe Podcast. I'm Nomar Slavik. I'm Kyle Sawyer. Throughout history, people from all over the world have witnessed various creatures that are now largely discounted by science. Yet, sightings persist. We'll tell you about one of those creatures in a moment. Before we jump into the episode, I did want to give a reminder that all of our I Want to Believe social media and email are in the show notes. My brand new book, We Only Come Out at Night, is now available for purchase. This book is a collection of short horror stories and can be found online at slevicstore.company.site. You can also get it at the Greenhand Bookshop in Portland, Maine. Just check the show notes for that link and more. All right, let's share some history and some stories about Thunderbirds. So the Thunderbirds travel in the clouds during storms and from their eyes bring fire to the land. And this is known in their language as Benesiashkote, Thunderbird fire. The late Whitehead Moose talked about that. The time comes when the forest in our land gets old. The trees are not so good anymore. And after the Thunderbird brings fire to the land, you see new life springing up everywhere. The Northern Native American myth of the Thunderbird will also talk about the cryptid of the same name as they could actually be linked to one another if not being the same creature. In mythology, this creature is part of a few Native American people's history and cultures and can be found throughout their arts, songs and their oral histories. They are described as having an X-shaped body that has the wings on the sides and its head normally always facing forwards, but it has also been depicted as looking similar to other birds of the area, but of a larger size. These birds do deeds of greatness and can control rain and hail. Their enemies are the great horned snakes, a very common theme throughout most of these myths. In Algonquin mythology, the Thunderbirds control the upper world. It has the ability to throw lightning, mainly at the underwater creatures like the underwater panther or the great horned snake, depending on the tale. It can also manifest thunder, hence its name. Now, in Cryptozoology, 
zoology, the Thunderbird is slightly different and only really dates back approximately 200 years. In 2002, various sightings were reported in Alaska. The creature was said to have a 14-foot wingspan, but the Anchorage Daily News reported that witnesses have said that it looked like something out of Jurassic Park. The scientists then said that it could have actually just been a stellar sea eagle, and they have a wingspan of about 6 to 8 feet. The term Thunderbird tends to be used by cryptozoologists to describe a large bird-like creature much like the mythical being, and a few fossils have been discovered that show giant bird-like creatures with a wingspan of 4 to 5 meters. The Thunderbird is a legendary creature in some North American indigenous people's history and culture. It is largely considered a supernatural being of power and strength. It is especially important and frequently depicted in the art, songs, and oral histories of many Pacific Northwest Coast cultures, but is also found in various forms among some peoples of the American Southwest, the East Coast, the Great Lakes, and the Great Plains. The Thunderbird myth and motif are prevalent among Algonquin, Ojibwe, Menominee, Siouan, Ho-Chunk, Nuchanuth, Passamaquoddy, Mi'kmaq, Cherokee, and Iroquois tribes. In Algonquin and Iroquois mythology, the Thunderbird controls the upper world, while the underworld is controlled by the underwater panther or great horned serpent. The Thunderbird creates not just thunder with its wing flapping, but lightning bolts which it casts at the underworld creatures. The Ojibwe version of Thunderbirds were created by Nanabozo for the purpose of fighting the underwater spirits. They were also used to punish humans who broke moral rules. The Thunderbirds lived in the four directions and arrived with the other birds in the springtime. In the fall, they migrated south after the ending of the underwater spirits' most dangerous season. The Menominee of northern Wisconsin tell of a great mountain that floats in the western sky on which dwell the Thunderbirds. They control the rain and hail and are the enemies of the great horned snakes, the Misikinubik, and have prevented them from overrunning the earth and devouring mankind. In modern times, the Thunderbird is reported to be a cryptid, along the likes of Bigfoot, Mothman, and many more. Fairly recent sightings of the creature involve that of a giant bird seen in several parts of the United States. On the evening of Tuesday, September 25th, 2001, a 19-year-old claimed to have seen an enormous winged creature flying over Route 119 in South Greensburg, Pennsylvania. The witness said their attention was drawn to the sky by a sound that resembled, quote, flags flapping in a thunderstorm, end quote. When they looked up, he claimed to have seen a large bird with a wingspan estimated to be 10 to 15 feet and a head about three feet long. The witness told researcher Dennis Smeltzer that the bird was black or grayish brown and passed overhead at about 50 to 60 feet. The witness stated, quote, I wouldn't say it was flapping its wings gracefully, but almost horrifically flapping its wings very slowly, then gliding above the passing big rig trucks, end quote. The witness observed the creature for about 90 seconds and at one point saw it land on the branch of a dead tree, 
which he said cracked and almost broke under its weight. While there were no other witnesses on that day, there were other sightings in Pennsylvania in June and July of 2001. On June 13th in Greenville, Pennsylvania, a witness was startled by the size of a grayish-black bird observed flying above them. The eyewitness report said, quote, It had a fully feathered body. It also confidently estimated its wingspan to be about 15 feet and its body length at about 5 feet. They saw it perch on a tree for at least 15 minutes before taking to the air again and flying off towards the south, end quote. They observed the bird for at least 20 minutes, and a neighbor of theirs reported to have seen the large bird the following day. Less than a month later, on July 6th, a witness in Erie County, Pennsylvania, reported a very similar sighting of a large bird that was, quote, dark gray with little or no neck and a circle of black under its head. Its beak was very thin and long, about a foot in length, end quote. They estimated the bird's wingspan to be about 15 to 17 feet. Writer Stephen Wagner wrote, quote, By comparison, the largest known bird is the wandering albatross with a wingspan of up to 12 feet. The largest predatory birds, which the thunderbird is most often likened to, are the Andean condor with a 10.5-foot wingspan and the California condor with a 10-foot wingspan. One of the more well-known modern Thunderbird stories is that of the Marlin Low incident. Cryptozoology.com wrote, quote, Perhaps the most controversial inclusion of the Thunderbird capable of lifting a human comes from 1977 in Lawndale, Illinois. It was here that on July 25, 1977, towards 9 p.m., a group of three boys was in the backyard. They saw two large birds coming, and as the birds came in closer, they went after the boys. Two of the boys escaped, but the third, Marlon Lowe, did not. July 25th, 1977. Three, one thousand, four, one thousand, five, one thousand. I was in my backyard one day playing hide and seek with a couple friends of mine, Willie and Travis. Marlon Lowe is 10 years old and weighs about 60 pounds. Five, one thousand. 1,007, 1,008, 1,009, 1,010. Ready or not, here I come. And uh, I run around the house. Suddenly, something descends upon him from above. Something just swooped down and grabbed me. I didn't, I didn't hear it, didn't smell it, didn't see nothing coming. So I looked up and I seen a big old bird According to Lowe, the bird uses its long, curved talons to grasp the sleeves of his tank top and lift him at least a foot into the air. Marlon's mother, Ruth, sees the attack from the house. Oh, my mom, she took off at me when she seen it. She took off running at me. Marlon struggles to free himself. Already, the bird has carried him a distance of nearly 40 feet. And it dropped me, and when it dropped me, I just took off running. Marlon and four other witnesses watch, stunned, as the bird flies off. Oh my God! And then uh, I flew up in this tree right here, trying to land in this tree right here. And it was too, too much weight, so they just took off flying on out of the tree and headed for the creek. Marlon Lowe's mother files a report with the sheriff's deputy and a county conservation officer. He tells her that her son has been attacked by a turkey vulture. 
Not satisfied, Ruth Lowe researches large birds at the public library and concludes that the perpetrator was similar to a California condor. But it looked kind of like a condor because it had a white ring and it was black. Marlon Lowe and his mother describe a coal black bird with a white ring around its neck, a body as big as a man's, and a wingspan of more than 15 feet in length. The Crypto Science Society wrote of the event, quote, witnesses to the incident described a bird resembling a cathartidae, a family of bird comprised of seven species of New World condors and vultures. This is especially strange because vultures and condors do not have grasping feet like those of an eagle or hawk, but rather flat feet for walking like that of a turkey. Various experts interviewed on the History Channel program Monster Quest agreed that while a large bird of prey is capable of moving relatively large volumes of weight, to actually pick up and carry something as heavy as a 65-pound boy, the bird with grasping feet would have to be very large and at least twice as heavy as the object being carried, probably in the 150-pound range in Lowe's case. Even the Andean condor does not usually exceed 33 pounds in weight, end quote. During that same year, Cherokee chief A.J. Huffer heard of the reports of giant birds and decided to take his 16mm camera out to see what he could find. Nathaniel West, a staff writer for the Journal Gazette Times Courier, said, quote, Huffer, who had learned to use a 16mm camera with the U.S. Marine Corps, sat out with his son Jason on the morning of July 26, 1977. As they entered a cove near the Findlay Marina on Lake Shelbyville, they spied two large birds in a tree. Huffer turned on his camera, the noise of which scared the birds into flight. He shot about 100 feet of color film. Copies have since been purchased by television producers all over the world. Huffer estimated the jet black birds had wingspans of 18 feet and 14 feet, respectively. End quote. A link to that original film clip is included in the show notes and posted on our Instagram. Just search for at 207believe. Give us a follow too if you don't mind. Okay, what we have now is a piece of audio that Chief Huffer later recorded for that video. Many reports of giant living thunderbirds were pouring into newspaper offices and TV stations across central Illinois. I, Chief A.J., of the Central Tribal Native American Council was called upon by CBS television to try to film a living Thunderbird. I had been trained by the United States Marine Corps to be a combat photographer. CBS had called on me many times in the past to film major fires. I had produced good films for CBS, delivering to them network quality results. I studied a map of Central Illinois where the Thunderbird sightings had been happening and decided to cruise by canoe the remote shoreline of Lake Shelbyville. I had my 16mm news camera loaded with 100 feet of professional ectochrome film. You are now seeing the original footage of living flying Thunderbirds straight out of Native American legends. This footage has been studied by several universities since July 1977, and the following television show is one of the interesting results. Let it fly. 
A local TV station aired Chief Huffer's film to mixed receptions from viewers. The Department of Conservation officials weighed in and identified the birds as turkey vultures. Check out the clip for yourself and decide what you choose to believe. Stephen Wagner wrote of a couple of other notable Thunderbird abduction stories. He wrote, quote, a 42-pound five-year-old girl named Svanhild, who, in June 1932, was carried away by a huge eagle from her parents' farm in Lika, Norway. The giant bird carried her for more than a mile, the report stated, after which it dropped her unharmed on a high mountain ledge. In 1838, another five-year-old girl was snatched from the slope of the Swiss Alps by an eagle that carried the child to its nest. Unfortunately, the girl did not survive the ordeal, and her badly mutilated body was discovered some two months later by a shepherd. The eagle's nest, subsequently found, was said to contain several eaglets surrounded by heaps of goat and sheep bones." End quote. Before we wrap up this episode, you actually wrote of a potential Thunderbird incident in your book, Otherworldly Encounters, didn't you? That's right. And the book is available at slavicstore.company.site. Please forgive the plug. But anyways, I originally had likened the story to Mothman due to some similarities to the original reports and of some of the UFO themes the witness had provided me. But in his description of the encounter itself, it does read as a potential Thunderbird with an absolute absurd yet fascinating wingspan. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll read a portion from your book. You wrote, quote, This incredible tale began when Camden resident Robert Osborne walked down Washington Street at around 6 p.m. on an early evening in October of 2001. As he walked towards his apartment, he heard a squeaking sound coming from somewhere nearby. I asked him to elaborate, and he said, I heard this very distinct squeak. I thought it was a rodent of some sort, but it surprised me because it was so loud and clear. I thought it must be right underfoot or in front of me. As he looked for the source of the sound, he was startled to see a large, humanoid shape fly above him. He said it was a roundish body with long, translucent wings, and what I could have sworn was a funny-looking head, small and weird, like it was a nub with tubes on it. I can't say I got a good look at that. What caught me was the wings, which were very, very long. Even at that age, 17 years old, I knew enough about the wildlife in the area and was not familiar with any local animals that had wings like that outside of bats, and this was way too big for that. Osborne was wholly bewildered by the uncanny sight and watched as it flew low near his home. He continued, its wings sort of fluttered a little, he told me, but just sort of like it was moving the tips and it tilted and flew over the house into the woods and swamps out behind it. It passed right over the eaves where my apartment was, so I got a perfect comparison for wingspan, and that thing stretched easily from edge to edge of the slant, definitely over 24 to 25 feet. End quote. That's such a wild wingspan to report. I have been down to the location of his sighting, and those eaves are definitely 25 feet across. He actually had a couple of other interesting encounters from my book, quote, A few months later, Osborne was again walking on Washington Street and saw the figure once more. It was much farther away this time. He said, I was walking up Washington Street from downtown, and as I crested the top of the hill, I looked down towards the house, and I saw the thing again. 
It did a near-identical maneuver, sweeping across the street and pivoting up into the swamps and woods behind the houses. It didn't fly as low as last time, and I didn't hear it, but I saw it. A couple of years went by without incident, and in the summer of 2003, he returned to Camden on a summer break from school. One mid-afternoon, he got together with an old friend, and the pair drove around town. During their drive, an odd occurrence took place that reminded him of the creature he'd seen before. Osborne explained, I'm driving through town with a friend, and we're just enjoying the weather. We're down in a section of town I don't usually go to, and I didn't mean to go out that way. We were just puttering around. Well, we're driving along, when out of nowhere, we hit something. It smacked into the windshield, and we came to a stop. Both of us thought it was a paper mache or something like that. It was sort of gray, lumpy, and vaguely translucent on the wings. Stunned, the pair sat in the car and just stared at the oddity. It splayed across the windshield, seemingly deceased. As the car rolled to a stop, the creature suddenly came to life and flew off. Osborne and his friend were confounded, and both admitted to having an eerie feeling they couldn't quite explain during the event. End quote. The story goes on and discusses some dreams that Osborne had, but I'd say those first couple of descriptions sound like other encounters with Thunderbirds, and that last incident almost seemed like a juvenile Thunderbird. With that being the last story we're covering tonight, we do want you to know that we have barely scratched the surface on the thousands of other Thunderbird stories out there, and we encourage you to seek them out. And I think that's all we got for episode six. Is there anything you want to add, buddy? I think that's it. All right. I'll see you in episode seven. Episode seven. Oh, we're for sacred 
Thunderbirds Going for sacred Thunderbirds Make it ring, you know, hey, hey Make it ring, you know, hey, hey Wash away the pain, wash away the sorrow We all know, hey, hey Our poor sacred Thunderbirds We all know, hey, Okay, I'm gonna try this, try this again. Thanks, buddy! <laughs> monsters. How about you give me a damn second? <laughs> Thunderbirth myth and motif <laughs> are prevalent. You said Thunderbirth. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> you did. I swear I, you did. I didn't. Alright, sorry. <laughs> Son of a... Ah! Savon. Savon hands. hands. This is so dumb. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> We've gotten really bad at ending shows. 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 Ending shows.